Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Jesus, and today it's just going to be me and a guest host that you will find out about when the show gets started. But if this is your first time joining us today, we are the Musty Collective, creatives on a journey to better storytelling. So thank you for joining us today, even though it's Musty in here. Today we are talking about the Oscar-nominated film, Judas and the Black Messiah, and its cultural impact on the conversation of race, inequality, and government force. I am joined by a guest host, who is a personal friend of mine, to discuss this movie and the topics that the story deals with. Please be warned, this episode will be discussing certain subjects that can be triggering, and adult language is used. Parents, be advised. And now, let's start the show. Today, we have a different kind of program. We're going to discuss storytelling, but we're going to also get into a deep dive in the ideological you know, ideas of this film, Judas and the Black Messiah, and you know, essentially surrounding the character that not too many people know in history called Fred Hampton, get into his beliefs. And with me to do that today is a guest host. We have Mariano, my good friend. How are you doing, Mariano? I'm good living. Uh, that's crazy. Guest host. I thought guest host is somebody who is like really good at this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like a, a real host. <laughs> I thought I would just be considered a guest, but I appreciate you, you know, big up me like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, I'm good. You, def- I'm glad you to be definitely, here. you're definitely the guest host, man. Uh, we're getting, we're getting into the, in, in a different kind of format. Cause I'm not really like interviewing you in this, in the, in the sense like we do in other situations. So that's why right. I'm giving you that title. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. For sure. And, you know, uh, just to give some more context here, we're just giving this perspective from like two young black men. Actually, Mariano's young. I'm old. But two young <laughs> black right. men kind of talking about this film, having some fun. And it, it was an exceptional film, well made. And to kind of talk about the ideas surrounding it and why it's important for this film to be made and to discuss it. And honestly, hopefully the masses will see this because this is not something I learned in my history class. Uh, was it something that you learned in your history classes back in the day, Mariano? No, nah, that's uh, I mean, I think as, as people well, to answer your question, no. But like I, mm-hmm. I think as people get more like educated on the subject, people really realize that curriculums are like very different <laughs> depending yeah. on where you live. I grew up in the South. And you would think okay. like, oh, in the South, uh, you know, most of the black people that live in the U.S. are in the South. That might be a thing that you would teach uh, right, right. because it has so much like relevance in our, our you know, Southern history. But nah, like I don't even think I even may, maybe like in, in in glancing over it like a little bit. But I don't I think we only really touched on, you know, Martin uh, a little yeah. bit of Malcolm, maybe, but not right. even really exactly. too, too deep on Malcolm. That's like stuff I had to like go and look on, you know, on my own. So, yeah. Right. And, and the way that Malcolm is usually framed is always like the anti Martin, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, if you yeah, don't yeah. do the research, it's, you kind of have that, at least for me, I had that mindset. I also went to school in the South as well, uh, Southern California. <laughs> and, uh, we also, you know, as, as liberal as people say California is, I did not in the history books did not get that kind of education. And yeah. Uh, yeah, but to to get right into it, let's first talk about this film. What do you think of Judas and the Black Messiah, Mariana? So uh, I thought it was excellent, personally. Um, I, I liked. There's a couple things to, like to highlight about the film. Uh, yeah, in my opinion, one thing I like the fact that um, this is. I think I don't know how much work Shaka King has done, but I'll just say they were like relatively new to the masses. Um, mm, and so for okay. a director to have like a big debut like that, uh, and, and again, I don't know how many films they've done, but I think this is probably the biggest one that I've heard about at least. Right. Um, for, for Shaka King. Yeah. Right. Um, I thought it was like fresh and I, I thought it was shot in a way that I haven't seen a lot of films shot. Cause I was kind of expecting like a Ryan Coogler type movie, um, right, maybe like some right. Bell station Creed type of shooting, but right. um, I definitely think score wise, you know, cinematography wise, like it, it definitely, 
help set the mood for what was about to happen in the movie. And then I also think, um, for me, one of the like cool things about the movie or like important things about the movie is that they didn't, um, they didn't stagnate with this or, or they didn't try to, they didn't try to whitewash it, I guess is what I'll say. Like, yeah, uh, they definitely, I, I they like, definitely didn't. Yeah. I feel like they could have tried to take out some things where it's like, Oh, I can kind of see where like the black Panthers are these evil bad guys and they are kind of equivalent to the KKK. Cause right. there's there some crazy stuff in there. Right. True, true, I feel true. like they did a good job of like placing that stuff in the film. So you kind of understand like the motivations behind that stuff. Um, yeah, they so, set yeah. the context, right? Like the times where police were shot at or killed, like there was context for the individuals doing it and not – and it wasn't like a blame uh, – you could look at it as like an, uh, a command from the Black Panther Party, which is again like what some people would just attribute say, oh, look, the Black Panthers did this. But if you look at the context of why certain things happen, individuals went essentially rogue and not ordered by the party itself. They didn't – they weren't uh, agents in uh, working for the party in those situations. Right, exactly. It, I mean, this kind of highlights over like some of the stuff that we went through recently too. Um, right. You know, with like George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and all Breonna kinds of Taylor. other stuff. But when you have a when you have a movement, right? Like it, it, you know, people will do things, right? Like there's no way to control like a full body. And so, to me, when I right. see people who are like point out like the few, oh, this person did that and this person did that, and they kind of like use it to use this, you know, paint it over everybody. It's uh. I don't know. It's a little disappointing, but yeah, every movement it, it, will have those kinds of things. But you can't you can't take it as like the agenda of the movement or whatever, right? Exactly. Like it's much different when you contrast like certain rioters during the the summer of 2020 with the Black Matters movement, um, or Black Lives Matter movement versus the contrasting of January 6th with the Capitol riot, where it was you know orchestrated by Trump supporters, uh, marketed by Trump supporters, social media yeah. and uh, parlor and all that the, the messages that were found out all were Trump supporters saying we are going to do these things. You can you can you can show up and not you know rush into the capital or you can show up and rush into the capital. But it wasn't like oh this is just a rogue, you know, uh, person individual here or there that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, and, and what's funny about it is like, depending on who you ask, like they'll they can flip it to either way, right? They somebody who uh, felt a certain way about this movement was looking right. for it to fuck up, was looking for an excuse to say, "Oh, look at this," right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and vice versa with other things. And so I just, you know, I think you got to keep that stuff in perspective, especially with things like this, uh, because right. people are quick to point out things uh, that happen as a way to, you know confirm their bias true 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 and I, and I don't know everything about the black panther party like there's obviously things that i think that they did you know their missteps and things that they did wrong too but again like attribute them as a, a terrorist organization and and then as we go into the film and what the government was trying to do to you know um to defeat them quote unquote in a way to stop their message yeah. from going out like putting them in that mindset in this in the same the same aim or the same angle and perspective as the kkk is it's yeah. you know not even close in my opinion in a, in a comparison and it's interesting that the movie frames it like that um with you know the cia agents you know working with william or bill o'neill right like they talk right. about in the sense of like hey we take down the kkk too we are just doing the same mm-hmm. thing when it comes to the black panthers and obviously I think if people have just a measure of history uh, lessons behind them, they can see that the motivations behind the KKK and the motivations behind the Black Part, the Black Panther Party, at least the the group in Chicago where all this is happening, right? They they can see a marketed difference, right? Going after somebody based on the color of their skin, their culture, their background, versus you know trying to subvert you know what the government's doing and including you know people from all facets of life um who are poor and downtrodden kind of like the poor people's movement that martin Luther king jr was starting up you know the year he got assassinated gotcha 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 Um, actually that's one of my favorite scenes i love that scene because they went to i don't know what they were called but like a i guess like a like a white church or something I don't know. It was like, but it was like a lot of white people, right? They and they went there, and I was like, "Oh snap, there's gonna be a fight." That's what I thought. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And he, he actually, Fred Hampton, offered an olive branch and said, "No, like we're with you on the same thing. Like the government is messing, is screwing both of us up, because again, economics are here in play, and poor whites, poor blacks are going through, you know, not exactly the same issues, but similar issues when it comes to economics." Right, right, right. So he played on like the yeah, exactly. Um, 
So that scene was cool though. Like uh, I don't I don't know what it was. It kind of looked like some kind of church to me. Um, and when you go in there, right, you're like you're in shock. Like the very first time, you're like, oh shit, something's about to pop off. My bad. Yeah, about yeah, for real. Them. But uh, you think something's about to pop off, right? Uh, yeah. But then he goes there. And he tries to level with them, right? Um, right. And so I think uh, economically. And I think Malcolm has like brought up points like this before too. Yeah, uh, he's not the only one, but it's basically like uh, along the lines of this, where um, if the government or like the white man uh, can convince the poorest white person and the poorest black people, uh, or the poorest white person that they're rich, they can keep both like poor parties down. Yeah, uh, even though we really should be just going against like this common enemy quote unquote, the rich, right. the 1% or like whoever it is. Right. And Fred Hampton right. actually like talks about that right. uh, with his beliefs. Like, I'm not going to, you know, fight capitalism with black capitalism. I'm going to fight. Right. He says that line. Socialism. Right. It doesn't, right, it doesn't exactly. make sense for me to come back with that same ideology. That's just going to put us in the same cycle. There's different ways to go about this. Uh, and so if I can level with you economically, then, you know, we have this in common. Like we're both poor. We're both getting down. The only difference between us is that I'm black and you're white. Or right. I'm Latino and you're white. Whatever our ethnicity, right. whatever our, you know, where we're from, um, you know, if, if we can just like link together in that way, we might be a lot more powerful than they can stand. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, again, one of the one of the opening kind of like scenes that kind of sets up the movie um, where it has someone speaking at a microphone and it has this line here from the screenplay itself where it says, those are not riots. Those are rebellions. The people are rebelling because of the conditions and not because of individuals. No individual creates a rebellion. It is created out of the conditions. So again, setting up the whole the whole movie, the whole film, this whole story, um, which again, is not really a, an official biopic for Fred, uh, for Fred Hampton because we have mm-hmm. the story really of Bill O'Neill because they're still telling a film. They're still telling a story and there has to be conflict and things like that. It wasn't a documentary. But the whole idea that the conditions economically that people are suffering from, especially this is post Martin Luther King Jr. assassination. Yep, yep. Right? Then the, the situations, yes, the Civil Rights Act um, has been passed and the second Civil Rights Act has been passed. All and we have these legislations in place, but still there's things that you know that need to improve for people all across America. So I just thought I wanted to quote that from the screenplay. I thought it was really cool. No, I think I think it is really cool. Um, more more to that point, though, of like the conditions create the the people. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess kind of aspect where it's or like, like the rebellion. Yeah, right. It's such a weird, or well, not weird for me, or maybe even you, but like in America, we always have this like very individualistic aspect um, mm. where it's like if this person didn't is is in a bad situation, like it has to be like only their fault. Like they just right. didn't do enough. If you're right. not a millionaire. It's your fault. You didn't do enough. Right. If you're not a billion, billion, whatever it is. You just right. didn't do enough. Like you, you could have worked harder, which is just like a crazy fantasy. Uh, I mean, not to know her like hard work or anything. Obviously, like you're gonna have to work hard, right? Like nobody's True. gonna do that for you. But I think it's very important that they highlight like the conditions are what cause this stuff. Like you put exactly. For example, I have this is an analogy that people use all the time. Uh, you know, if if you have like a hundred meter race, right? And yeah. 50 people or half of the people start 50 meters ahead. Right. So they're, they're, they're ahead 50 meters. Right. No matter how extraordinary shit, there might be some extraordinary athletes in the back who somehow could catch them. Right. But yeah. By and large, like in the masses, that group is going to be 50 meters ahead, like dang near all the time. Right. Right. And so that condition that you created leads to them always like climbing this uphill battle. Um, and so I thought it was really good that the film like kind of, pointed that out and like tried to really highlight that because I feel like a lot of people in America don't think that way. It's like, oh, you're homeless, your fault. Oh, you're right. poor, your fault. We're not right. really looking at the conditions that cause that. Exactly, exactly. And, and and going back to some of those lines you're saying, right, where where Fred is, you know, you have the head of the CIA, uh, Mr. Hoover at the time is saying, you know, one with the potential to unite the communists, the anti-war and the new left movements. And this is the scene where he's kind of like trying to gather the whole his whole troops, the agents to like say, hey, this guy is a problem, which is which is crazy because 20 he was 21. Fred Hampton was 21 when he was assassinated, I believe. Man, crazy, so he was like a crazy. teenager when they're like, we must get this guy like a teenager <laughs> yeah, yeah. was going to bring down the whole system, which is like that to me, that speaks to a fragile system, meaning that you should do your best in a democratic nation uh, with the ability to change laws and update laws and make new ones. You should make the system non-fragile. 
But that's a whole nother conversation, I guess. But then yeah. Fred says, we don't fight fire with fire. We fight fire with water. Um, we don't fight racism with racism. We're going to fight racism with solidarity. And then mm-hmm, again, like mm-hmm. you said, right after he says, we ain't going to fight capitalism with black capitalism. We're going to fight capitalism with socialism. And, um, you know, I guess I guess since with that line you brought up and I just read it again, let's kind of talk about these two things because i'll be honest even after watching this film i'm still more on the capitalistic side of things but Mm -hmm. i want to sprinkle in some socialism right to you know the ideas of better capitalism that people are kind of propagating but how do how do you feel about you know the idea of capitalism versus socialism yeah i man i had this conversation so many times i think i used to be probably the same exact way as you uh Mm -hmm. in uh, not even that the way that you're thinking is bad, because I think we're probably like pretty close. But right. I, I think the way people view socialism today is like um, any kind of socialized anything is socialism. Like we in America, they paint this really broad brush and say, OK, uh, universal health care. Oh, we're going to turn into Venezuela and Cuba because right. those are like the worst <laughs> examples of like socialist countries. Right. Yeah, Let's just exactly. go to the very worst thing instead of looking at like Nordic countries or something like that. We're really right. really what we should have, in my opinion, is. Uh, we yeah obviously we don't want to say like hey everybody you have to live here all of your funds go here you're only gonna all make 50k a month like nobody's saying that we're just saying yeah. that people at the top are getting to the top by exploiting people because capitalism we're we're too far on that scale right we're too far over there right yeah and we need social safety nets that's this is where I fall on it I, I right. think people should have the opportunity to lead good lives and to get what they deserve and get what they earn. But we need social safety nets. And however we got to do that, whether that's through, you know, taxes. And I mean, I don't want to get too, too much into politics, but we kind of have to for this topic. (laughs) But, um, you know, there's there's a lot of ways to do it. But like universal healthcare, that should be easy. Like somebody nobody should have to worry about, like breaking a leg or getting uh, cancer and not being able to survive or get treated because of that. Right. Right. You say that. Oh, socialism. You know what I mean? And so um, it's like a blanket sweeping statement. Yeah, it's it's really weird. So I'm like, I'm glad I didn't even know Fred before watching this film. Like I knew who Fred was and, you know, knew something about him. But like, I yeah. didn't know he was, you know, uh, very pro-socialism, which is like dope, because like uh, I think we do need, definitely need to go more that way uh, with how far we've gone with like capitalism. Uh, right. So I guess that's my opinion on it. Yeah, no, and I, I, I don't disagree. Like, I, I definitely see what you're saying there. I think the idea of social safety nets and then, you know, what you said earlier, like, you know, capitalism kind of encourages or incentivizes right now the way the system is set up, the economic policies we have in place, the tax brackets and everything that we do, and the way you can evade tax, you know, taxation, you know, that's a whole other thing. But, like, mm-hmm. the way it's set up, it, it feels like capitalism in, in Western societies incentivizes the manipulation of people. Um, for sure. Yo, right. But just quick example, just to like cut in here. Right. Uh, have you ever tried to make a product before? Make a product? I don't just think like so. Sell a product or matter of fact, where are most of your shirts made? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I feel you. Okay. Yeah. Mine, like I definitely Taiwan. I, I, I mm-hmm. think that's where most of my shirt, shirts are made. Yeah. Taiwan, China, maybe Indonesia here. A lot of your products right. are made there. Right. right. I've even right. tried to like, start a company on my own or, or like try to sell the product on my own, like through Kickstarter. And okay. basically if you want to get it manufactured in America, you got to, the prices are so crazy compared to what right. we us, usually pay for here. You got to go to countries where their labor laws are very, it's called lenient, but basically like they allow sweatshops in right. China and Indonesia, like all these other countries, like they don't have the same labor laws as us. And so, if you want to make a shirt and make a profit off of it, you got to go to the country that allows that kind of bullshit to happen, which right, we very right. much so do. And like, I mean, that's just like example number one. Just look where <laughs> like most of your products are made. Like we, yeah. we we do do it. You know, I mean, I wear shit from China too. I'm not like perfect. I'm not going to say it like that. But just in terms of like how our system is like architected, like that should just give you like a little bit of insight on how that works. Right. Right. No, no, you're exactly right. Right. And, you know, having stuff that's like American made that goes through the proper like labor laws and things like that is way more expensive. And there's got to be a way to, to, you know, to get the system. But at the same time, it's expensive because you have to pay your employees, you know, a certain kind of wage. You got to pay them, you know, uh, you know, usually sometimes health benefits or if they get injured on the job or if they need to take sick leave, these kind of things kind of add up for the cost of a a business. So it's it's kind of. It, it's it's you you like all the benefits, but then all the same time, it is difficult 
you know, to start a business. It's it's that weird kind of argument where I've listened to people like Peter Schiff, where they say we got to deregulate, deregulate to bring down the cost of everything. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's kind of like too, those though. cash those those cash twenty twos of of how you know economics works out. But again, the idea that as America we can have this conversation. Um, instead of kind of batting things down and saying, well, that's socialist and we don't want anything to do with it when we have our education system is con- technically socialist, uh, our public school education. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it could definitely, you know, use work in some areas. But yeah, like uh, public school. Yeah, definitely. Kind of. It's kind of pay to play, too. Uh, you know, if you live in a neighborhood where your property that's structures true. are high, you live in a that's nice true. suburb, that's true. you're gonna get a better education. Whereas like people in inner cities, uh, their property taxes aren't as high. And so like, and they have more people going to the school, so it doesn't get funded right. the same way. Um, so yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I, see, I see what you're saying. to William O'Neill, right? So he has a scene where he's impersonating an FBI agent uh, to steal a car, which is, I thought that Mm -hmm. was a very interesting scene to kind of get started with the movie. And then he he gets caught and he's talking to Special Agent Mitchell, which is kind of like, you know, I don't want to say, like, he's kind of like a generic FBI agent, but he actually is in history books. He's like a legitimate person, but he kind of <laughs> yeah. plays the FBI agent, the, the side of the government saying that the voice you would say in this film of the government trying to say, hey, we're, we're not against black people because, hey, we, we're, we have you. We're working with you uh, to bring down this organization, but we just strongly disagree and believe this, this organization is going to be a, a threat to the government. So right. he kind of has this, you know, this conversation with Bill about well, if you want to get out of in person, you know the charges that are coming up against you, you know you're going to have to, you know work. You could work for us. Now, mm-hmm. is there any way that you can think of where Bill O'Neill could, if he didn't kill himself, which we find out there in the movie, if he didn't kill himself, he could have been accepted by by society once again, maybe repent of his sins or whatever, or was that just like? He he's completely and always will be like a like an outcast in the black community and in society today. Um, I know it's a really man. loaded question, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, like I, like black people aren't a monolith, right? And I know you're not saying that, but right. uh, like it, it's so tough to say. But I, I would say, I mean, I would say it'd probably be pretty hard. Like you know, you aided, uh, you know, you you aided the FBI. Uh, right. helping, uh, I guess, assassinate really Fred Hampton. Right. And right. this was somebody who was leading, what do you, what do we call it? A cultural revolution. <laughs> uh, something. Yeah. So, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I think some people are forgiven. You know, we got, uh, you're religious, you know, we got a lot of religious people in the black community. <laughs> uh, a lot of people are, I think a lot of people would, but it, it'd be tough for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm definitely religious, but it would be weird, like, because <laughs> yeah. I, I, at the end of the movie, because I was like, oh, this is a real person, is he still yeah. alive? Where what happened to him? And I was yeah. like, there's no way he got out alive. Like people mm. didn't come hunting for him, and then as as we find out, he he murdered himself. So yeah, yeah I, I just I feel I feel bad that he did that, but I, also at mm-hmm. the same time, it felt like he kind of got his comeuppance because. That was really shady, what he did. But then he was kind of forced in a situation that would like, if I was in this situation, I don't know. Like, I want to say, oh, no, man, put me in jail. And then I'm not going to do that. I want to say I do that. But like, right. At the same time, you know, what does that life look like? No, for sure. I think it's, it's, it's easy to like, I mean, I think we can really like sympathize or like empathize with Bill. Right. And so on some level, yeah. because to some level, uh, to some when, level yeah. Oh, to some level, right? Like, I'm not going to say I'm out here like jacking cars or nothing like that, but I can understand why somebody put in that situation and and they kind of frame it to a little bit, right? Because it seems like he knows a little bit about them, but he does, they don't, he's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're cool, I guess, you know, I don't, MLK is right. cool, but he's, he doesn't, he's not passionate about it at the beginning right, of the movie, right? Right, right, And as right. he kind of goes through it, he's like, damn, 
these people are really trying to like help me or they're really trying to help our community. Like I'll, I'll die for this. Right. And right. so, I mean, it's kind of more indicative, like the film highlights that, well, which is what happened in real life, but he couldn't live with it himself doing it. But yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's definitely easy to, to sympathize in some way because I mean, in a lot of ways he was forced, uh, I mean, either go to jail or do this. I, I don't know, I guess. Right. Right. And then again, like with the system and how it was rigged against black people uh, back then, and obviously in ways still now, you know, who knows? It could have just been five years, but we don't know. Like, it could have been like, oh, put him away for 20, you know, no parole. Mm-hmm. And yep. he's he's like, he knows what happens to black dudes in prison. So he's just like, I, I don't want to even face that. So it was kind of like yeah. a death sentence in a way. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely like a really good point to highlight. Um, man, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm like trying to place myself in Bill's shoes. And just think about like what I really would have done. Speaking from Bill's character perspective, uh, it, it definitely makes a lot of sense. I keep saying character as if he wasn't a real person, but just yeah, in the movie. Not, uh, yeah, right, right, right. But uh, yeah, he, speaking from Bill's perspective, like, I mean, it, you don't know. I mean, he didn't really know about him that well. And he didn't really, uh, like I said, he really wasn't like a cultural revolutionary in the same way that a lot of people was until he got into the movement. So, right. Uh, Maybe that was the only choice for him, I guess. Yeah. Looking at yeah. it from that way. Right. And and I what I like about again, I know some people are mad at the fact that it didn't the movie didn't focus more on Fred Hampton, but what I like mm-hmm. about having William O'Neill as, as as a major focus in the film is kinda like if you didn't know anything about this, William kind of gives you this this window of like the Black Panther Party in in Chicago and in in the mm-hmm. surrounding areas, so you can kind of figure out as he's figuring out instead of just coming right in and being like, "I have to accept all these ideas." I don't even know what this is all about, um, especially with yeah, the idea yeah. that the negative connotation of the Black Panthers that I myself and I know a lot of people have had, you know, growing up because again, the way that media and information portrays them, it's always in a, in this negative, uh, again, you know, terrorist uh, mind uh, mindedness. So mm-hmm. for you. Before the before watching this film, what what did you think about the Black Panthers? And then, you know, after this film, you know, why do you think they're still so controversial? Yeah. So if you would have asked me this question, like, ten, if this movie came out ten years ago, and asked me this question ten years ago, I would have had a more negative perception about them. I don't think I would have said they were like uh, whatever the hell they portrayed them as. Like, their goals were like completely different. To even like frame them as like equivalent to the kkk is like crazy to me um but obviously like media and propaganda is huge and we know what that can do right Uh, right but um i think before this film uh we have mlk as the holy grail right people can point to him and say white white people but no matter who everybody will point to mlk and say he did it he did it great he's a great guy he did it the right way uh, right, quote unquote, right way. But he still got uh, killed. That's, that's, but he still got, he still got killed, we, right? <laughs> and we talked about this. It, it, it's so hard sometimes when people are like quoting MLK last summer about like peace and love and stuff. Like, yo, you, you realize that dude got shot. Like, he said yeah. peace and love. He was a Christian pastor and he got mm-hmm. shot. Sorry, I just, I, yeah. No, 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 you're good. No, I mean, it's true. And like, that that is a big thing. And so like, <laughs> for him... Uh, he, he's like the Holy Grail. Everybody can point to. And then a little bit after, I feel like people have become more accepting of Malcolm. And if you didn't know Malcolm's whole story and you just looked at like the beginning of Malcolm, I right. know why he's controversial. Even then, I still like Malcolm and agree with a lot of the stuff he was trying to do. Um, there's probably some stuff I disagree with, but I don't agree with everything that everybody does. But overall, Malcolm was a great guy in the stuff that he tried to do. But even further down, like his last th- two, three years when he went to um, – He went to Africa he go? and he go to- came back. Cool. He went to Africa. Did, did he go to Israel? I thought he went to like. Oh, I that part I don't know. I'm not sure. I know he went abroad and he came back and he was like, "Man, I think I got it all twisted from this perspective. Like, we can all do this, no matter the color. Uh, I don't like. I don't gotta yeah. fight you the same way that I was trying to fight my battles before. Why? I I was. Right. I went to wherever I went. I forgot where he went. I went and I I prayed with white brothers. I played with Arab brothers. I played with black brothers. Um, and we all oh, were just so enlightened. Uh, maybe, you know, you know maybe, maybe he went to tre- to the trek uh, to um, sorry, so bad I don't know enough about Islam, but the the trek to Mecca. Maybe yeah, I think he maybe <laughs> he did the journey. I think so. I think so. That sound. I think so. I, I don't want to butcher it, but right, 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 people, right. People who are familiar with the story will probably know. 
Um, people are like typing well, already. Like you guys, <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, um, but those two characters, I feel like the most accepted. Uh, and it right. took a while for Malcolm. I mean, for even for yeah, for Malcolm to get accepted. And now with like the Black Panther Party, I feel like this film will do a lot ten years from now. Right. And helping people understand because it, it wasn't a story that was touched on and globalized in the same way. And so I think 10 years from now, the same way that they had Malcolm, you know, the first 10, 20 years when it happened, the same way they had it MLK the first 10, 20 years, even though yeah. he was peaceful as all can be. Um, and yeah, people still hated him. That That's another yeah. thing. He was stabbed um, in the middle of a rally, I think, by a black woman. People... People actually like, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Like, yeah. He got called all kinds of names, Uncle Tom, yeah. Coon. Like, why are you doing? You know what I mean? Like all kinds right. of crazy stuff. Um, so, yeah. I, to answer your question, I kind of did a long way away before no, this movie. No, you good? You good? Uh, I didn't. I only knew base. I'll probably say like ba- basic stuff about it. I have a friend, uh, and his grandparents were actually like in the Black Panther Party, and I still want to like pick his brain on it a little bit. But uh, oh yeah, definitely. I can see the differences in like our mindset. He's like very radical, as whereas well like. I feel like that in some ways, but I feel like uh, I'm a little more like level-headed, maybe. I don't know. But um, so, yeah, well, I, I never thought they were yeah. like too crazy, personally, or like terrorists sure. or anything like that. For sure. No, I, I didn't think they were terrorists either before watching this film. I just – like I guess the imagery – and again, this is this is part of like just reading books like Tears We Cannot Stop from Michael Eric Dyson. Just reading books of realizing that there has there has been in, in the media and in, and in, and in teaching and, and schooling, there's been this like kind of – this veil that's been put over my eyes about seeing powerful imagery of black people um, protesting or speaking out and always coming with the connotation, unless it's MLK, always coming with the mm-hmm. connotation yep. that it's like bad. And mm-hmm. if they're holding guns, it's bad. But if I look at, yep. like, for instance, I like look at Trump supporters, like the motorcycle, you know, when Trump had his first rally in, in Cleveland for the RNC back in 2016 or 2015, and all the motorcyclists mm-hmm. came in with their guns to, quote unquote, protect Trump, um, mm-hmm. you know, that looks good. That That's OK because Second Amendment rights and it's OK. But it's mm-hmm. it's it's framed differently. And I'm just saying from my own perspective, I've even had this perspective of like if it's a white dude, it's OK. But if it's a black guy, oh, he must be a gangbanger or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's it's twisted. And uh, what I that's one thing that I love about this movie is that it, it, it helps to peel that veil back and say, hey, this, you know, they're not doing anything bad either. They're just they're using their Second Amendment right as well. Yeah. And, and for good, like maybe maybe we could even empathize with this a little more because like. From my perspective, or like this is fact, like they started this to protect their community from cops and educate their community. And, you know, hospital. I like I didn't even know this until like a little bit before watching a movie. I just did like more digging, but medical stuff, right? Like got medical right. staff and tried to, uh, you know, be healers for their community. Like they just didn't have, like they didn't have that, and we still don't have that in a lot of places. You can even look at it now. Why are People in the hood and in impoverished places, they don't get as many tests and, and centers in those in those areas, right? So like right. they're going to the be health, late to get vaccines too. Yeah, right. Uh, people look at that and just say, oh, you know, uh, they just don't want to get vaccinated. Like not really. You're just making it hard. Like yeah. Or they, some they people are just straight up that. stealing. <laughs> like they're taking the vaccines that are meant for the community. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. reading an article about that. I was like, oh, come on, guys, that's not cool. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know, man. Like. I just I, I keep going back to it, but the, the the whole framing of like how strong media can really be is like you should know, bro. Like I, I probably yeah. talk and like dress and do like all kinds of things a very specific way, all for the sole reason of not, or all for the sole reason of like looking good for my community. Does it make sense? Like oh, my mom no, yeah, didn't let I mean, me get braids when I was younger because she just did not want me to be betrayed that way. She's like, I, it's fine, blah blah, like. I just know how people are gonna look at you. Same thing with my dad. And to this day, like I think braids are dope. I think it's great, and I think we should. I love when people rock them. My little brother got them, but like I, for whatever reason, because of that, like thinking that way when I was growing up, couldn't do it because I just had to be like the perfect model. You know, what I'm saying black person or something like right. that. So, well, I'll be honest, bro. You know, 
I'm not trying to tell you anything what to do. I just don't know if braids are your look. You know what I'm saying, brother? I, I'm just I mean, that's, just being just being real with you, brother. I, I don't braids ain't good for me. You do don't put me in cornrows because I will look I will look silly. Some people can rock this is it. Like, I was younger though. That's why I was younger. All right, all right, all right. But when I was, like like Kawhi Leonard, he rocks he rocks the braids. Like he looks good. But I like Nipsey's. I like Nipsey's. Oh yeah, Nipsey of course. Nipsey Hustle for sure, for sure. But like for me, like Russell Westbrook. He doesn't. I don't think he looked good in in, in in corn rolls, but that's just me. Some brothers can rock yeah, it, some yeah, yeah. some can't. And Mariana, maybe 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 not you, maybe not you. But if you <laughs> if you want to try it, I'm not here to hate on you, brother. I'm just trying. No, to, I'm yeah. good. Like I like my. I'm I'm cool. I was just highlighting. Okay. No, I feel. I feel. I feel. Yeah. So like going into this, like the framing of things and how people imagine and picture and give their perspective and how kind of like it it can essentially overlap society to make us think bad and good and, and and it's very weird because you know some of the arguments you hear about how black people should do this and do that for the communities uh they should they should have guns uh they should you know educate they should be there as good fathers and they should do all these things the black panther party portrayed in this film was doing those things and yet mm-hmm. it still wasn't good enough and it takes me to a scene where um you know, Mitchell, uh, special agent uh, of the FBI, Mitchell, is having Bill O'Neill over. Mitchell says, you know, I investigated the Shorner, Cheney, and Goodman murders down in Mississippi in 64. You familiar? And O'Neill really isn't. We all know this as like the beginning of Mississippi burning. Um, but a couple kids, he continues, a couple kids trying to register Negroes to vote. That's all they were doing. Got arrested on bogus speeding charges by the sheriff's deputy who hand-delivered them to the Klan. They shot him, of course. Cut off Cheney's penis. This, what you and I are doing, is the other side of that coin. Don't let Hampton fool you. The Panthers and the Klan are one and the same. Their aim is to sow hatred and inspire terror, plain and simple. Now, I'm all for civil rights, but you can't cheat your way to equality, and you certainly can't shoot your way to it. What When you when you hear that again, um, and I, I don't know if you're imagining that scene, but they're kind of like sitting – like in I the know, living room yeah. together, yeah. What 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 comes up for you when you when you hear these words? Because I, I I don't know if this is a word for word like this is what happened in history, but I can imagine this is how the people in the FBI sold it to themselves, and how O'Neill maybe sold it to himself. Like I'm saving the country, and you know doing this work. Yeah. Um, what comes to my mind initially is like, obviously the last couple of lines where he, Panthers and the KKK are one and the same, and you can't cheat your way to equality and you can't shoot your way to equality mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. obviously which is ironic but let's just take ourselves into the to the headspace of like the agent agent mitchell i think you said his name was right um he so for me when i initially think about this uh he really tries to frame himself as a good guy and i i truly actually think he believes he's a good guy right like i yeah i think for him this is like you said this is his way of saving the country. Right. This is his way of um, doing what's right, you know, and, and servicing the country as an agent, right? Right. But was to me, the, the what I want to highlight is like, since he really believes that, and since Bill, in my opinion, or, or like in the movie, like the way they frame Bill, he doesn't really know to, he's not really too much in a, po- which is common, right? And amongst impoverished people, like it really yeah. is common. Like I, I know a lot of people, uh, even including myself, I didn't, I was, I just wasn't into politics when I was younger. Like I just, I, I thought the government didn't help us at all. And they, I mean, they really don't, but I thought like my voice, my voice was pointless. My vote was point, all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. And so right. you can kind of see, uh, him taking Bill's mind and like taking Bill and saying like, this is how you need to think about it. Right. This, right. this is it. This is the truth. And so maybe even Agent Mitchell, who knows if maybe he would have had a real conversation with MLK or like whoever it was, right? Like with right. Fred Hampton himself and sat down and talked to him if he would have thought the same way. But once again, media media is dangerous. I don't know. Like with all crazy, especially now with all the information we got out there, it's, you know, uh, uh, who gets to you first, right? <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So, no, who, who gets yeah. you first? Exactly. Exactly. And that person sets up your foundation and then you kind of give excuses 
for your behavior, even if you get new information. Because we see Mitchell is a little bit conflicted in this film, where mm-hmm. if he talks to uh, the you know uh, the director of the of the FBI. Uh, or CIA, uh, Mr. Hoover. Um, I forget which agency, Things but the FBI. director, yeah, FBI. If he, when he talks to the director, you can see him, you know, kind of question some of the the tactics that were that were used, uh, and how they're using certain agents um, in certain ways, and how they're using informants in certain ways too. So it, it's mm-hmm. all it's 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 weird, man. It's weird. You know, you read about this conspiracy stuff all the time, how they implant themselves into organizations to disrupt them, man. Mm-hmm. You cannot doubt, like no one can doubt from here on out that the the government doesn't do these things to subjugate the people, which is wild and and scary, in a, in a way. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I hope people understand that. Um, obviously, because it's like very hard to believe when you haven't like read up on like government corruption and things like that. Uh, you know, and so like you kind of just grow up to believe, oh government this is what they do this has to be the absolute truth there's no way they could do this or that but a lot of stuff goes on behind the scenes and man i don't know if you if you haven't do yourself a favor and just read more about like malcolm x and read more about like mark like for real read about him and even me too i need to just like keep no, on learning same, uh, same. But yeah i'm not some like crazy expert but just like read more into like how much the government had an influence obviously with racism being like legal at that point like actually legal uh right but how much that really played into what happened in those uh that time period so yeah right no exactly exactly and it's getting educated and learning reading books helps out a lot in this situation like i said michael eric dyson is is a is a great read what i'm reading so far from his book and you know just looking up people who you may not fully agree with and i'm i'm trying to do this myself like i or make you feel uncomfortable when you read the words mm-hmm. that they're writing. And yeah. sometimes that's that's healthy for your critical thinking as well. I think it's very healthy. Yeah. I'll like the yeah, because I know some people who like won't have like conservative friends or like friends who think the opposite way. I mean, obviously there's gonna be some issues that might be just like a little you can't say no to, but uh <laughs> like I don't think I've ever been one of those people. Like I you know, I can definitely like listen and understand and even got I got friends who voted for Trump or a couple of friends I'll say who voted for oh, Trump. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, we're still too. friends, you know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, exactly. I disagree with them heavy. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those conversations. But that's the thing: having the conversations and both people being open, right? And I, I think that I think the idea here that I love about the Black Panther Party, if I, if anyone could take anything from this from this movie about them, is they were legitimately trying to make their community better. All the complaints mm-hmm. people have when when all the media uproar happened over George Floyd. About mm-hmm. again, I keep going back to. You know, people saying, "Well, what about black on black crime? You know, what about mm-hmm. the the rates of of fathers and single and single mm-hmm. mothers and kids being raised by single mothers in the black community? What about this? Mm-hmm. What about drugs?" But if you if you look at the programs that are put in place by the Black Panther Party and other organizations that have been helping the black community for years that are black owned and black started, black founded, we've been doing this in our communities for years. Mm-hmm. The problem is in in this case. The government literally destroyed this community in not just like, oh, we're going to you know, take away IRS nonprofit you know, exemption status. We're going to kill you. We're going to destroy you and burn and completely you know, maim your legacy uh, in, in, our, in our history books as well, which is we'll, – we'll definitely get to that scene because that is, scene that, was hard. That one itself is, is powerful. Like you said, destroy you in the history books. That means that kids who are getting raised from – or are in grades from 5 to 12 – or kind of, sorry, K through 12. I mean, what for 12 years, they're not going to learn about, I didn't learn about it for 12 years. They're not going to understand that history. I mean, we did this with the native American. We did this with a lot of groups. Right. And so like, yes, yes. If you can control what people learn, if you can control their education, uh, which right. does happen because curriculums are different in the South and people, uh, city councils and per parent groups will get together and say, I don't want right. this thing on the curriculum and it will get right. turned around if it happens. Um, so yeah, man, that, well, even like, that own, I, on his own, it's crazy. Like I said Sorry. before, even like definitely in the South, I can see it, but like, even in like, again, liberal, super liberal California, where people are like, Oh, California's yeah. too liberal for me. They, they don't have it on the program. Like you get like, mm-hmm. like a section on it. And it's mainly about, you know, you got uh, obviously Martin Luther King Jr. and you got Rosa Parks, and mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. 
And that's about it. Yeah, that's yeah. about it. <laughs> and then JFK's assassination because of his relationship with Martin. With Martin, but um, so one scene that I loved again. I we said this before, but the idea when they go to the Young Patriots headquarters. So that's what they were called, the Young Patriots with the Confederate flags decorated in the, oh, in the wall. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, so they had a community meeting in progress, and so the the Black Panthers show up. And again, I thought this was going to be a really bad, violent scene, but it actually turned out to be like really cool. And I'm not going to like because Fred kind of has a conversation with like a number of them, um, but there are there definitely are some things where he's 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 hitting on certain levels where he says he says things like this where I bet y'all babies getting the same BS. I, you know, I'm trying to keep it from <laughs> uh, education. Yeah, yeah. Y'all paying the same taxes to get your heads whooped in by the same, you know, uh, pigs. Ain't that a trip? We pay them. We pay the pigs to run us off our corners. Um, that's that's another thing too. The language was not whitewashing this film. They said pigs like in any kind of way they that you know you thought could be said. They did yeah. not. It was not a pro police. This was not. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Black Klansman movie where. Um, where they were essentially like they had a, a black police officer and he was trying to give the side of, you know, the system can be good if you have the right people in it. This was not that kind of movie at all. This was like, no, police are bad. Um, and they're bad in the white community. They're bad in the black community. They're bad, they're bad in the Hispanic community as well. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's an, it's an important thing to highlight. I think um, I want to go back to the way we talked about at the beginning where we talked about how they framed the movie, right? And how they right. talked about, I forget, I forget how you said it, but it was something like, um, the conditions for rebellion. Yeah. The conditions yeah, for yeah, rebellion, yeah. right? Like that to me, uh, just to kind of like tie back to what you said previously, um, these black people and these white people are in the black people, poor people are in these conditions, right? Yes, sir. And yes, sir. for different reasons in a lot of way. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and we talked about how we talked earlier about how like, um, uh, the black on black crime argument or whatever, right? Right. But I really want, I really appreciate this film because how they framed it with the conditioning, like the condition stuff and how they really like highlighted that in my opinion, uh, really help, should help people understand like, or, or make people ask the question instead of like, what, what didn't you do to get out of your situation? Uh, and take that question like the next level up and say like, how the fuck did, sorry, how did these people, <laughs> how did these people get into this situation? Right? right. Like nothing happens by accident. Yes. Those conditions don't happen by accident. The fact that Fred is going there and those white people can identify with him, that didn't happen by accident. That, right. Those were conditions created. They were both economically affected and they're both right. not being listened to. So he could go and empathize with them on that level. Right. I just think it's really important to like highlight that. Um, and so, yeah, sorry. I just wanted to bring that up. But No, no, that's no, that's great. That's great because that's that's I, I love that. I, I really did love that. Um, you know, uh, my my wife is white. And so mm-hmm. when she's watching this film, I'm just looking over at her like, how, how she take this? <laughs> <laughs> but like, again, like the idea is that, you know, to me, if we can come together and unite, we can fix these problems and stop looking at it like, you know, your color skin and your culture and all this kind of stuff. Now, let's not – we don't need to, you know, destroy other people's cultures and, and we have to assemble into one culture. We don't want to do that. Um, but I, yeah, I definitely right. think the idea of looking at ourselves as a human race instead of, you know, individualizing uh, every single race, I think to me that's a, that's a healthy thing. And yeah. I, th- I thought that Fred Hampton, I think Malcolm X did the same thing. When when Malcolm X was assassinated, he had – I think he had uh, people from the Japanese community surrounding him when he was when he was uh, dead um, by, by the accounts, right? And, and Martin Luther King Jr. had had many, many people from different walks of life, you know, working with him a- as well. So – I just I just love that. And he also Fred Hampton reaches out to the to the young lords and they have that scene in front of the police precinct um, mm. where, you know, uh, a man by the name of Jimenez talks about how their brother uh, Manuel Ramos was shot in the head and killed by an off duty pig. So we caught the pig and turned him over to his fellow pigs. And for some reason, we expected justice. Well, mm. let's see what they do now that we're in front of the pig pen and we demand an independent investigation. And. Again, I'm just quoting the I'm just quoting the the movie. So people are upset. Like I'm not trying to hate on you. I'm just quoting the movie. But it's yeah. um, it's it, it going back to again another thing. Not just economics, but the police brutality of in the different communities and the justice 
the same thing that people Black Lives Matter people are talking about today. You know, Colin mm-hmm. Kaepernick kneeling. The same injustice of you know police are not held up to the the, the correct standard that they should be. It's the same the same thing that people are talking about now, and that unites communities of all different colors, all different faiths. No. Yeah. Uh, and I, I completely agree. Um, I think like, man, this just even goes back to what we talked about earlier. Like no matter, no, no matter the community, if the community is oppressed in some way, impoverished in some way due to whatever reason, like it is not just on that individual. Like mm-hmm. I really want to like, hopefully this film highlights that. And the fact that like Fred, really tried to like fight that because I, right. I, I I was like really proud in a way because like I just didn't know he was like about that in that way. Right. You know what I mean? I thought he was right. like very specific to the black community and like, you know, and only wanting to do things in a certain way. But it was really right. like Fred was like, hey, like our system is fucked. Like this shit. Sorry, I keep cussing. <laughs> this, this, this messes up black people a lot worse than it does other communities in America. But right. a lot of y'all are getting swept under the rug too. <laughs> and so, yeah. Uh, when I say we're not going to fight black capital or capitalism or black capitalism, we're going to fight it with socialism. I just mean like, or he just means uh, the way I'm taking this is like, we can't have all these people fall through the cracks and then keep saying, you got to pick yourself up off your bootstraps. And right. Like, right. why are so many people going through the cracks? Like, why is that not a question? I don't like, they just don't work hard enough Were they just born inherently dumb. Like, is that yeah. what y'all really think? No, um, it's it's the same kind of shaming that people do in, in many situations. And you can think about like when it talks about like women's rights and, um, mm-hmm. you know, other 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 people groups that, that go through struggles where it's like, oh, it's your it's it's your fault because, you know, you wore a shirt that showed cleavage or something like that. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's it's in me. The first response of saying, well, what 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 did you not do is blaming the victim instead of saying. Right. You know, and, and it's interesting because when we talk about defending our nation, when we talk about going to war against terrorism you know across the seas or world war one or world war two we talk about it in the sense of we the colloquial we of america right when, mm-hmm. we, when we have independence day we say we we don't say individuals we don't say yep. you know oh i went over there and fought it didn't means that you don't have the freedoms i do because i'm the only one who went over there and fought no we mm-hmm. say because our military our military went over there and fought we all gain the benefits of what the military did and accomplished, right? And it goes back to mm-hmm. the Revolutionary War where he says, divided we um, – sorry, divided we stand – sorry, united we stand, divided we fall. That old revolutionary rhetoric. And it's like – it's like in certain contexts, it's okay to use a colloquial we, but in other contexts, we want to say just you. It's only you, and you have to do it all by yourself. And mm-hmm. when you study the stories of people who become rich and famous, we learn from all their stories that they did have help from somewhere, someone, some organization. Depending on who you let tell it, though. Uh, depending on who you let tell it. Like if some uh, – for example, I was listening to uh, – and if I'm getting too off topic here, just reel me back no, in. Cool. But just, just to go on a little tangent real quick, like I was – uh, watching an interview with the Whole Foods guy uh, and I'll still buy stuff from Whole Foods but I just wanted to highlight like uh, let him, oh, I saw an interview with him that where he was debate capitalism is a blessing I think so I think so yeah. maybe, maybe I was actually just looking yeah, at that Foods. before we started talking oh okay ah coincidence that's crazy <laughs> um, yeah so yeah you'd be familiar with it but basically you let him tell the story uh, he says capitalism is a blessing because he seems to think that, like, because he worked so hard, he got to the top. Right. Now, once again, I think this movie does a great job of highlighting what Fred's beliefs were in that. Um, they, I don't think they touch on it like crazy, crazy, but they do touch it on it enough in his speeches and the yeah. way he moves and the way he's trying to kind of, like, organize things that mm-hmm. you don't and, – and the reason why we need more socialism, in his opinion, right, in the film's context is – because stuff like this, like you don't get rich on your own, right? You right. you don't. You have to in order in capitalism, you're gonna have to exploit people in some way, right? Like, yes, exploit. If you're gonna become yes. a billionaire, you're gonna have to exploit people in some way. Like I always say, there's why would I pay him ten dollars when I could pay him eight dollars? Like that's right. a very right. Like when if you want to go negotiate a raise at Whole Foods, like or any place, what are they gonna say? Like people, they will give you the lowest amount that they can give you. Because why would I pay you more when I don't need to? That's the question yeah, or, that comes up in every – sorry, go ahead. 
I was just gonna say also the manipulation tax tactics of how we what we do with digital goods and, and services now, right? It's a subscription, mm. it's a service. So you know, I can make so much more money off of like this many people by going lower, but by having them pay monthly. And now we're so used to it that you mm-hmm. know we don't we don't even have Adobe Photoshop. You know, you can't just buy Adobe Photoshop and just say I just want this product and own that. No, you got to pay fifty bucks a month or forty bucks a month or something like that. So it, it's it's pretty mm. crazy. No, yeah, it is. Um, sorry, I went on a little bit of a tangent, but yeah, no, that's cool. uh, it reminded me of that that guy when he talked about that. Like, you just don't get to that place like on your own. Like, there's a t- to get to that place. There's like a ton of luck that has to happen, a ton of resource. What I mean by that is like you can be born into. You're probably born into a better situation. Um, access to more resources, color of your skin can be in a huge advantage, uh, especially when you look at getting. Uh, venture funding or capital right. for your company, all, right. all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, you're a product of your environment in a lot of ways. And, you know, you'll have those people who, like I said, there are extraordinary people. There are people who are going to make it out the crash. Serena grew up in Compton and became a crazy tennis player there. I mean, right. there are people who make it out of these situations, but by and large, if you're looking at a nation and I'm viewing this from Fred Hampton's eyes, I'm right. looking at everybody and I'm seeing all these people and these different walks of life, especially black people. And, and, and they just, for some reason, keep falling through the cracks. There's no evidence of us being born more stupid than other races, right? No, mm. I mean, that's not true. That'd be some crazy racist stuff to say. Uh, and oftentimes <laughs> they'll, they'll point, this is the thing I hear all the time. Oftentimes they'll point and say, well, what about the Nigerians? What about the Africans that come over here and oh, do well? The immigrants, mercy, right? Mercy. It's a very, Those are the best of the best. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell people. Like, they, that's a very different condition. And I'm not even saying that those countries are the greatest. Like my dad is mm-hmm. an from Nigeria. I'm not saying those countries are the greatest in a lot of ways, but it's a very different condition moving over here from a different country than having your family uh, be brought into this like generational poverty, right? Like right. you're going right. to be a product of your environment. You're going to grow up in an area. You're going to see people who do X, Y, Z. Your most likely outcome, not that you can't overcome it, but your most likely outcome is to do what you see other people doing. It's not yeah. it's not the same thing. So, yeah. Also, the link to your heritage is such a big deal. When people can look back at their past, know where they come from, you know, have have uh, feel confident, prideful, not in a negative pride, but just prideful in the fact yeah. of like, I know where I come from. I, I, I mm-hmm. love where I come from and I can accept that. It, that also is a, is a different it's, it's it's a different kind of beast. Like from my from my past uh, for, or from my life, I'm Hispanic and also I'm black, but my mom's from Guatemala, but she's also like black Hispanic because her, her dad was from Jamaica. So I have mm-hmm. that lineage to look at and that's like, that's great. But on my dad's side, he's from Oklahoma and we go like two generations and my family is slaves. So mm-hmm. – we yep. have no real record. Like you can trace a little bit through Ancestry.com. Like we're possibly from Nigeria, but you just don't know. I don't have family I can go back and visit. I don't have like a, a place or a city or a town that says, hey, this is where this is where I come from, my colors or anything like that. And that yep. leaves a hole in you know, how you identify yourself and, and the kind mm-hmm. of confidence you bring to. So I, I do think that there is an advantage that certain uh, when Africans immigrant uh, immigrate over to America in these days. I think there's a certain advantage that they do have by knowing where they come from and know their roots and understand everything where black people like are trying to figure it out and identify with, you know, the different parts of culture that they can in America. Yeah, and f- for sure. And and to be completely honest, like, I mean, obviously that's where like the X comes from in Malcolm's name, right? Is like, he doesn't know. He's not going to take the, the last name of the white man, right? He doesn't know where his, right. his heritage right. is. Right. Uh, so it's like a variable to him. Uh, yeah. So I'm just going to use that X to like represent it. But even then, uh, I, I was watching this comedy uh, the other day. Uh, I think it was like Godfrey's, uh, if you know the, the comedian. Okay, uh, he's, I think, he's I think I've heard of him too. Okay, yeah. Uh, he's, he grew up in Chicago, but like his lineage, his heritage, he's Nigerian too. And right. um, he talks about how like, oh, like if I get pulled over by the cops, best believe I'm putting on a Nigerian voice. Yeah. because <laughs> it's a different flavor it's, but people view it differently and i'm not saying that they don't have the disadvantages in a lot of ways that we do like my dad will tell you the same thing but it's 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 very different than how african-americans are portrayed in the country yes. right like my mom right. is african-american she don't know where her heritage come from my dad right. does and my dad will be the first one to tell you that that's an advantage so yeah um, no exactly yeah. exactly and Good uh point 
No, yeah, that's a great point to highlight. And and it's great, actually. I didn't even think about that when I asked you to, to come on here because I, obviously I know where you're from, but um, that that's amazing to get that perspective because I have heard that where it's like, well, look at the look at the immigrants that come. And it's like, oh, okay, all right, let's yeah. like, I mean, yes, good for them. I'm, I'm happy for them. And I'm, I'm, I'm good too. Like my family isn't like, we didn't grow up super poor or, or, or poor. Mm-hmm. We didn't, we're like right. my parents were successful. They got their degrees and we worked hard, but again, there are, there are challenges still that were met. Um, my, my mm-hmm. dad and his stories are just amazing going through, you know, going through integration and going through, you know, uh, after board versus education and all those kind of things were, were going on in, in the country. So there, this is right. all these challenges that if you just try to act as if 2021, you know, you have a good stop, stop complaining. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but there's generational wealth that is just non-existent. coming before watching this film because I've been in the barber shop and heard about Fred Hampton that way uh, through my barber mm-hmm. and just talking with my barber. I don't know about you, but like when I go to barber shop and, and make friends with a barber, I usually end up with, arguing with my barber. <laughs> and so, um, you know, these kind of conversations happen. So I knew what was going to happen, which was like the saddest thing with this movie yeah. was the complete betrayal. That's why they call it Judas and the black Messiah. It's like a, a, a stark portrayal of like what we depict, you know, the, the gospel new Testament um, story of Jesus Christ and Judas Iscariot. So when they have this scene and they just go in guns blazing, just murdering or shooting or maiming and injuring all they could. And they, they shoot Fred Hampton, you know, even though he had been kind of drugged as well, but they shoot him. Um, what what thoughts were going in your mind? And, you know, because when I watch scenes like this, like I, I still remember Crash uh, long ago when that police officer forcefully, uh, you know, assaulted, sexually assaulted the black woman, um, mm-hmm. you know, just because I just get I get angry. You know, I get really upset. And, you know, and this being historical, this being something that is real, this is not fake. It, right. I had a lot of emotions watching that scene. Yeah. Um, it was definitely like a really powerful scene. Uh, I think like when you learn how old, I, I think for me, like one, to answer your question about the barbershop, I've always been like pretty quiet in the barbershop. I usually just chill. I'll talk if the barber like talks to me. Uh, but I've been coming on there for like the last few years, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I think the, yeah. the scene itself is like, man, when you learn about how old he was too, like if 20, you went into this and didn't know and you didn't know. How Fred, like how old Fred was when he died at that scene? Twenty one years old. That's ridiculous, bro. Dead, assassinated. Um, yeah, it almost makes you. It almost makes you bitter, right? Like you yeah. can turn to it and just say, "Hey, I, you know, all white people are this, and I hate all of them, and blah blah blah." And like, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a very real uh, yeah. reaction for a lot of people, yeah. to be honest with you. Right. Uh, and I definitely understand where it comes from. Like, right. it, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, not saying it's great, but like I, I empathize with it. I understand. It's like yeah, no, I understand. Uh, yeah. For some, for somebody to be doing good, did did the the bull the BS time that they had to do in jail to come back. That's out, true. That's true. We didn't kid, even talk about that. Yeah, to have a kid, um, and just to be a person that's really just trying to like, I don't say fight the good fight for black. Like, this is a person who's trying to change the foundation and like help people like people who really need help not even just black people to be honest but right all these people who are poor right uh right. and to to see that happen it's just like dang like, i mean what you can't peace you can't pro- peacefully protest martin didn't even know how to throw a you know throw a punch probably uh you know if you do it <laughs> hey, like hey, Malcolm, don't, you definitely don't gonna get killed bar, he, he, he probably could throw a punch man come on man you he's know. not he was he was real passive it was just that was his thing though martin was uh what do they call him, a like Quaker Oats guy or something? But anyways, like he's like he wasn't gonna fight at all, right? It, right, which is, right, Which right. is who he was. That's how he chose to approach things. And so, if you can't do it Fred's way, if you can't do it Malcolm's way, if you can't do it Martin's way, then like what way can you do it? Like, uh, no, that's great. That's great. And so, I you know just to wrap this up, do you you know this is a, the softball question of the night? But Mariano, do you think it's important that these these type of stories uh, get told? No, I think Fred Hampton should be going down. Oh, that man no. don't know nothing. 
Nope. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, <laughs> Mercy. Uh, oh, yeah, of, co- of course, of course. Uh, I mean, I think in any society, uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Anyways, I think one of the greatest things, like, uh, that keeps culture or that, 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 that helps improve upon society is like the stories, right? Like the history, yeah. right? Like if we know what happened in the past, we can probably like better assess it and do do something different in the in the future if it didn't work out, right? And so like right. we look back at this movie, we know what happened in the past. Okay, I know what what Fred Hampton was doing and what he was trying to fight. Okay, now let me take a step back. Why was Fred Hampton and and all these people in these conditions? Oh, okay. Now I can take a step back and and oh, what, this is why X, Y, and Z happened. So now that I know why it happened, I can vote a certain way. I can you know, look into certain things and, and locally I can do things that, that may move the needle. Right. And, and change things going forward. Right. And so right, right. I think these stories are important for that reason. I know it's just a movie uh, and maybe you want to call it historical fiction because it's not really like a biopic, but it's right. like it's historical fiction. Rooted, yeah. Right. Rooted around that person uh, and based in like the real time or whatever. But um, yeah, they're important for that reason. Like if you don't know it, you, you're going to repeat it and, uh, you got you got to keep track of that history. So yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. The softball question tonight, and you hit it out of the park, Mariano. Thank you so much, man. And I I hope to y'all, my musty, my musty collective, my musties. I know there's like a different kind of way we talk about a film or or get into a story. But I hope it was something that you could take and and think about. And if if you fully agree. Awesome. Let us know if you fully disagree. Awesome. Let us know. And it was really just awesome to, to have this conversation again, Mariano. We we have these conversations in private, but it was just awesome to just uh, get this on 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 record here and, and be able to share it with with the rest of the community. So thank you so much for being here, Mariano. Anything you want us to plug or or anything you want to be like, hey, check this out. Uh, let us know. The floor uh, is yours. Nope. Okay. Cool. Cool. cool, cool. Oh, actually, I lied. Check out Andrew Yang. Y'all should, you know, whether you're left or right, it's forward. <laughs> That's true. No, I, I, Andrew, Andrew Yang, again, some of the similar tactics with Fred Hampton, he was one of the only Democratic candidates, I think, that was on Fox News um, actually doing interviews and, and again, uh, yeah, trying to reach out he was to, that, to the base. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he wasn't just on CNN or MSNBC. He was definitely on other on other channels. But, yeah, Andrew Yang is awesome. Yang gang. And I think he's running for mayor of New York. Mayor. Yeah, yeah, I think he's actually doing really well in the polls. Um, so mm-hmm. hopefully that turns out well. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So yeah, all right, check him out. Well, that's it. Thank you so much, Mariano. Take care, brother. I'll see you on. I'll see you later, and uh, stay safe. All right. Yep. See you. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Musty Create Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mariano. Michelle and I are so grateful for your continued support. Since we have published 100 plus episodes and we didn't even give ourselves a 100th episode party bash yet, which we still want to do with y'all. We want to do a live show at some point soon. But since we haven't done that, we're going to give ourselves a two week, a two week vacation. You heard me. So we will be back on June 9th. That'll be the next episode when that comes out. So look forward to that. Check out the newsletter, sign up, check out the website, check out our social medias, and we'll see you then in June. And if you want to be featured as a guest on our show, email us at themustycreative at gmail.com and tell us your story. Thanks also to our monthly supporters for helping us make this episode of the Musty Creative Podcast possible. We couldn't do this without you. Want to thank our Patreon producer, Megan. We thank you so much for your support. And if you want to support us, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mustycreative. And that's all we have time for. Remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And now it's time to shower up.
gives them a satisfaction they couldn't get any other way.